So we're starting a new sermon series uh, this season, this Sunday, called Deliver Us. And this sermon series is about uh, the cry of the soul that has experienced something that the soul cannot on itself handle. Um, It is a cry, deliver us, is a cry to the living God for help. Help, I cannot face what I have experienced. I cannot uh, defeat the evil, the darkness uh, that I can see in myself or in the world. Um, So we're going to actually complete the second half of the Gospel of Mark. We started this Gospel when when we launched as a church a year and a half ago, and we're going to actually complete our journey through the Gospel of Mark following Jesus to Jerusalem, looking to him, crying out to him to deliver us. One of the amazing things about Mark is it presents Jesus as a type of a, of a new Moses leading a new uh, people of God out of bondage and slavery um, in a way that is permanent and complete, in a way where we can follow Jesus as well as the new Moses. And so the Old Testament readings will be taken from Exodus. We'll be able to track the Exodus even as we track Jesus' new Exodus in the Gospel of Mark, because Jesus will deliver us not only from superficial problems, uh, but from the deepest problems that we face and the deepest problems that we perpetuate. Um, And so he's going to deal with uh, the issues that run through the human heart and through human society. One of my favorite moments in any superhero movie is uh, in the Superman movies. It doesn't matter which Superman movie it is, because it's, it's the same moment, just repeated different times. And it's the moment where Clark Kent has his awkward glasses on and is being mild-mannered and wants to remain mild-mannered. But uh, he, with his, like, uh, super hearing um, or super sight, um, he sees or hears someone in trouble. The woman crying out, the damsel in distress, help me, help me, and there's a bad guy being bad, you know. Um, and and um, and he can he can hear it. And there's this moment where he's like, Nah, I wanna I wanna I don't wanna like use my powers. I don't wanna use my powers. But then like the cry gets so loud that he's like, Okay. <laughs> and he's so he like rips off his glasses and goes into the phone booth and and like tears off um, his Clark Kent um, costume. And you can see like, I'm here to help. I've got I, I like I am here to like unleash my power. And then he goes, and then he like, and then he like saves the person. The bad guy's like, "Wait, what?" You know, and and um, and and the the innocent people get saved. And and so Superman, like, he has this moment where he's like diagnosing the problem, and he can see and he can hear. He's got like a really special ability to to um, understand and diagnose what the problem is. And then, like, once he really understands how big of a problem it is, he's like, "All right, now I'm going to deal with the problem." Now I'm going to undertake the problem. Now I'm going to solve the problem. And it's such a satisfying narrative because we all want to be able to do that too. Um, a lot of us can see problems, and we're really good at diagnosing problems. Maybe, you, maybe you've been able to diagnose a problem that is like neighborhood-wide or city-wide. And there's a lot of people in Chicago that can accurately and with great nuance diagnose the problem of um, segregation that still kind of lingers in our day, that uh, different races and different cultural backgrounds tend to stay separate. And there's a lot of academic papers done, there's a lot of videos that have been made, there's a lot of people unpacking this problem. And maybe you've seen the problem too and it, and it troubles you. You see the in- indifference and you see, um, or maybe you've heard about or read about human trafficking in your city. 
um, and, or in your neighborhood, and you realize, wow, that's taking place. I've got to do something about it. Maybe you've, um, you've seen a problem that impacts your work. There is something dysfunctional built into your work. You, you're running a system that's broken at its, at its core, and you can see it, but the leadership doesn't see it. And so you've seen that problem. Or maybe you've diagnosed a problem even in your personal life. Someone you love is, isn't thinking straight. There's diseased thinking at the core. And, and because of that, they're, like, they're, they're destroying themselves and they're hurting you. And you can see that. They can't see that. But you can see that problem in your family or among your friends. You can see the addiction. You can see the bad choices. And you're like, this is a problem. Or maybe you can see a problem that's like from you. It's impacting you. You can see this pattern that's problematic and you can't solve your own, you can't solve your own patterns. You see the self-destructive patterns playing out. You do the same thing over and over again that you hate yourself for. And you ask yourself the question, why am I always so blank? Why am I always so incompetent? Why am I always so lazy? Why am I so codependent? Now, when we face problems like this with our city or our workplace, our family, or even our own souls, our anxiety levels can go sky high. Our anger can go sky high. And, and, and there's a strong temptation to follow the Clark Kent Superman continuum, that narrative, and to own it and to put on our Superman costumes and go, I've diagnosed the problem. Now I'm going to deal with the problem. I'm going to power up. Um, I've sized the problem up so well that now I, I can solve it. I can solve the problem that I've sized up. I'm so, I've understood the problem at its core so deeply. Now I'm going to undertake the problem. And so, you know, it's like we got this. I took some classes on this. You know what I mean? I've got some trainings. I did this webinar training on this. Um, I've got a track record for this. I've got a resume. I don't know if you understand the background that I'm bringing to the table, but I've got a system and a problem that is going to, uh, it's going to solve the problem that ails us all. Someone compiled uh, together a brilliant video, and it's what they took a, um, you know those celebrity public service announcements? Celebrity, you're like watching a show, and all of a sudden the celebrity's there in kind of a black and white, and they're like, we all know about the problem of X, <laughs> you know? So they took a bunch of those and they compiled them all into one. And I'll read you the script. Each, each phrase is repeated like five to seven times. I won't repeat them. I'll just tell you what all the phrases were. Enough. <laughs> you can be part of the solution. Right now. Right now. Right now. I I'm sorry, I'm doing it. I told you I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Let's do this, everybody. Forward. We know how to stop this. Now that you know... It's time. It's time for our leaders to act. We can do better than this. Send this to five friends. Now is the time. I'm ready. You can make a difference. This is my world. What would you do? No more. My name is Alec Baldwin, and I demand the time is now. <laughs> this is such a temptation for us. Now that you know... It's time to make a difference. You can't, you can't not do anything now, now that you know. 
And it's such a temptation for us to be like, I am my own savior, and I'm your savior too. Because I know. In the face of evil, in the face of dysfunction, we are tempted to put on our Superman costumes and get productive and get prayerless and get proud. That's such a strong temptation for us. We can greatly overestimate our powers. We can. We can implicitly think, I've got Superman powers, and we can greatly underestimate what the Bible describes as the power of Jesus, which has broken into the world and brings healing and life on every level. On every level that we see problems, the power of Jesus can bring healing to those problems and and, and can solve those problems. Um, But we can greatly underestimate Jesus' power uh, to solve those problems. The scriptures present a great opportunity to us that we must not miss, and that is that when we come up against problems that we can't solve, that is a gateway to participation in the kingdom of God at a level that we have not participated up to this point. It's a gateway to the power of Jesus, matched with our weakness in a way that is profound and beautiful, where we can actually see the living God bring renewal and life where there has been breakdown that we cannot solve on our own. Now, nothing makes us want to put on our Superman capes like a suffering child. If you get around a suffering child and you see them uh, just in misery, you see their weakness, nothing brings out the Superman complex like a suffering child. And our gospel text today highlights the story of a child who has uh, suffered severe physical and spiritual torment. Now, there's two approaches that this narrative brings out, two approaches to this suffering. One approach is the one that we are familiar with. It's the Superman approach. To put on a Superman cape and to power up and get productive. The other approach is very different. And the question, there's a question at the heart of this story that we're going to look at. The heart of the story of the suffering child, there's a, there, there is a, there's a question. Which approach sees a breakthrough in the life of this child? Which, which approach sees a breakthrough? Which approach experiences more power, more healing, more restoration? And which one breaks down? It's important to us that we pay attention to this story because it's going to impact the way that we engage our own souls as we encounter our own weaknesses. It will directly impact the way we interact with our jobs and the dysfunctions that we face in our jobs. It will directly impact the conversations that we have with our family members that frustrate us to no end this week. So it's important that we see what happens in this story. So first, let's look at the way of Superman. I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 9. Looking at verse 14, we're going to look at the second half of this chapter. Sorry, the middle, the middle section of this chapter, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. Now they refers to Jesus and three of his disciples. They had just come down from the mountain where Jesus was glorified. And so Jesus and and these four men come to a great crowd. I don't know if any, any of you have ever come upon a live fight going on in the middle of your school or the middle of some courtyard, and you're like, all of a sudden there's this conflict, there's a protest, there's people shouting back and forth at each other. Um, 
And this is what Jesus and his three disciples come upon. They're like this big dispute in the middle of the courtyard. And there's this crowd of people. You know the crowd of people that are like, fight, fight, fight. You know, there's that human instinct. There's a crowd of people around the conflict. And as Jesus and three of his disciples make their way to the middle of this fight, he finds his other disciples in an argument with the scribes. And they're fighting about something. He finds his disciples in a way that he should never find his disciples, which is that they're defensive and they're on the retreat. Um, He finds them squabbling. He finds them in a petty, eye-scratching mess of a fight. He finds them powered up. He finds them in conflict, not winning the conflict. Um, And here's the problem. What's the problem? Here's the problem, verse 16. Jesus asked them, asking the scribes, what are you arguing with about them? Why, why are you picking, what, what's going on with me, with you and my disciples? Um, and then someone from the crowd, they, the scribes don't even get to answer the question. Someone from the crowd's like, hey, verse, verse 17, teacher, I brought my son to you, which is shorthand for, I brought my son to your people. You, you, you're like, you, you ordained these people, you sent them out to do, so I brought them to you, meaning I brought them to the people that you sent out. Um, I brought my son to them because he's got a spirit that makes him mute. In verse 18, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. So consider this, an evil spirit has come over a child and it gives him seizures and it hurts him and it torments him regularly. Now the disciples had been with Jesus and they had seen Jesus cast out demons. And then, and then they had learned to cast out demons themselves. Jesus is like, hey, I'm taking authority over evil. You can take authority over evil in my name, and here's how to do it. And so they started to do it. And they could do it. They, they, they could do something they'd never been able to do before, which is to take authority over evil spirits that were tormenting people, that were standing against sons and daughters of God. And so when this man brought his child who had tormented and said, hey, there's something wrong here. What did the disciples do? Hey, I've got training in this. I've been apprenticed here. I've been to Hogwarts. And Dumbledore has given me all of his secrets. And, and I am ready to, like, handle evil. No, 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 trust me. I'm a professional, and I'm here to help. So tempting. We've done this so many times. But stand aside, dear ones. I can fix this. I've seen this before, and I've been commissioned by Jesus to do it. Jesus will refer to this in verse 19 as a faithless move. A faithless move. Now, what does faithlessness mean? Jesus describes it at the very last verse of this text. Verse 29. This kind can only be driven out by anything uh, but prayer. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. What's the implication of that? The disciples weren't praying. They didn't need to. They were getting productive. They had a system that worked before. They had commissioning. They had training. They had a reputation. I'm going to bring all that to this situation, but I don't need to bring prayer. It's irrelevant at this point. Prayer got me through. I don't need it anymore. I'm good. 
as a result, they were not seeing God move in power. They had too much confidence in their own power. They had so little confidence in the power of Jesus. And as a result, they were arguing. They were defensive. They couldn't see the bigger perspective that this isn't about me or you or even now. This is about God's power and God's glory being revealed in the earth. Many years ago, several years ago, about 10 years ago, I was working among college students, and, um, and it was a really wonderful time. I, I actually discovered something that I had been taught, which was how to care for your own soul. And someone taught me how to do that, and as I was working with college students, many of whom were just learning how to set boundaries, just learning how much they could take on and not take on, just learning that it was okay to rest, and in fact, important uh, to, to care for your own soul and lead yourself. They were just learning that. And I was finding that taking people through a soul care plan where we discovered physical ways of refreshment, spiritual ways of refreshment, emotional and um, avocational ways of finding refreshment, they were just eating it up and loving it. And it was helping so many of them. Um, And it got great reviews. So then after three years of that, I moved to D.C., and a new journey of my life began. And I joined a men's group. I was in a group with a couple other guys. And I remember one of the first meetings that we ever had, one of the guys just, un, just he bared his soul. And he was talking about how, how much pressure he was facing as he was working at high levels at the Red Cross and um, so stressed, so overburdened. And I just couldn't wait to, for my moment to talk. And as soon as I got my moment, I just blurted out, you need a soul care plan. And his face fell. And he just said, I did not need that right now. I was so confident in the process that I had been given, process that was a good one, a good process, but I replaced my confidence in Jesus with a confidence in a process for fixing people that I had learned and was leaning upon. We think because we've taken a class in something, because we understand something, because we've been successful in a certain way, that we're no longer weak that we no longer rely every day on the power of the living God to, to, to fuel our life and also to heal and solve the problems that we face that, that, that vex us, that, that trouble us, that keep us up at night. We miss Jesus. We miss out on the spiritual partnership where we are weak and he is strong. I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. They were not able because their power was derivative on the power of Jesus from, the, from, from square one. Now there's a better way than the way of Superman. Fail, su- f- Superman fail. Hashtag, someone on Twitter put that as a hashtag. Superman fail. The better way than that. So let's look at the story again. Look at verse 20. The father comes forward to Jesus and they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him, when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and water to destroy him. Now, friends, I mean, let's just stop for a second. I mean, imagine that you're the father. Can you imagine being the father of this young, vulnerable child? Like watching him year after year at the mercy of an evil spirit that that comes over his body and causes him to foam at the mouth, that actually intentionally rolls him into fire and rolls him into water. 
I feel anxiety when my children take baths because I'm like, I, I've heard so many bad things and I watch that nationwide commercial and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, it's hard enough. It's hard enough as a parent to keep your children alive. But imagine an evil spirit follows your child around and torments him. How helpless would you feel? How much rage would you feel? How ready would you be to be like, if I'm Superman at any time in my life, it's for this, for this reason. I'm going to power up and, and defeat this because I love my child. I love his entreaty to Jesus in the midst of this. The second half of verse 22, he says this, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you've been carrying a problem on your own, this is actually a great prayer to begin. Whether you're uh, on the Christian journey or just on a spiritual journey and aren't sure what to think about Jesus, this is actually a place where many, many people have found a starting point or a restarting point. This prayer, if you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us, have compassion on me, and help. Help, that's what the cry deliver us really is. It's a cry for help. Help me. You're addicted to pornography. Help me, Jesus. You're in a relationship with someone who is abusive. Help me, Jesus. You are going to work every day and uh, walking into a traumatic situation. Help me, Jesus. You're under pressure. You are trying to do the right thing and you are being pressured to do the wrong thing. Help me, Jesus. Have compassion on me. If there's anything that you can do, help me. This is where many people's faith journey starts. So if you're here and you need a restart or you've not started at all, this is a prayer I invite you to start with. Jesus challenges his belief um, to which he says this. I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus says, anything is possible for him who believes. And, Jesus, and, and he says, look, guess what? I have problems with belief. You know, many of us do too in this post-enlightenment age. A lot of us have problems with belief. We are not sure what to make of science and faith. We are not sure what to make of Jesus. And there's so many different counter-testimonies and ways that people try to deconstruct a deep, thri uh, thriving, orthodox faith in the living God. So a lot of us have with the same exact prayer as this man. I'm a mess, <laughs> Jesus. Not, not only do I have a problem I'm trying to solve, but I do have my own control issues. And I do have my own belief issues. And you can have the whole mess. I need you to save my son, and I need you to save my soul. So I give you my son, who's got an evil spirit. And I give you my unbelief. And I give you my whole pathetic Superman cape too. You can take it all. Help. This is the response that Jesus is looking for. This is the response that Jesus asks from all of us. The response of, I trust you to do something with my, with my mess. I trust you to do something with the problems that I encounter. I, I'm facing up against some of you work directly for helping victims of sexual exploitation. And you're like, there's so many problems that I can't solve and these people are in bondage and how do I solve it? And Jesus calls for you to even give that burden over to him or you're caring for someone who is difficult. Jesus calls you to give that over to him. Jesus calls us to take off our shoulders the things that we are carrying, our addictions, our vocational challenges, our spiritual maladies. He's saying, give the whole thing to me. 
and he responds in verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him, and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy is like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. What I love about Jesus is that he cares more about our problems than we do. He cares and has done more for the problems in the world than we have. He's sacrificed more. He's given more. Jesus would not only heal this boy and, uh, and deal directly with evil in this instance. He would seek actually to give all of us healing by taking evil upon himself and the cross. He would go willingly to his called vocation of dying and rising so that we who are in bondage to evil, so that we who face up to evil and suffer because of it, could be taken by the hand and raised to new life, not only personally and spiritually, but also so that our city could be raised to new life, so that our workplaces could be raised to new life by his power. That's how Jesus rolls. He takes upon the problems on himself, and he brings his power and he brings his healing to them. And when we face up against the same challenges, he calls out from us cries of vulnerability, cries of weakness. I cannot help myself. I cannot be Superman in this situation anymore. So I give you my Superman cape. I give you my problem. I give you my soul. Heal my son. Heal my heart. And Jesus is powerful enough because of his work on the cross, because the Father raised him to new life, he can deal with that request. He can deal with that prayer. So are you weak? Pray your weakness. Are, are, do you feel hopeless when you think about that issue that you cannot solve? Pray your hopelessness. Do you have unbelief and do you struggle with belief? Pray your unbelief. Whether you're Christian or not, this is a place to start in our relationships with Jesus. He cares more about our problems than we do. And he will deal not only with the superficial aspect of the problem, he will deal with the heart of the problem. This is where we begin in our journey to deliverance. Let me pray for you. Lord, we all come to, uh, to face you. We, we, we all stand in the shadow of your cross with a different set of problems. And Lord, we have the same need. We have the same need for your power. So I ask that you would help each person here identify one way where they can begin to turn to you rather than curve in on themselves for a solution. And we pray, Jesus, that in our weakness, you would be strong. Strong for us personally, also, Lord, for our church. We pray that the power of God would, would partner with our weakness. Let us not be ashamed of where we are weak. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.